Hey guys, and welcome to an episode of the Physique Development Podcast. If you haven't listened to the episode before this, it is going to be extremely helpful for you to go ahead and listen to that episode as this is part two of some fundamentals with Coach Courtney. (laughs) So I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to her for her to intro the episode, but definitely go check out part one if you haven't already. Thank you, Sue, and hello, welcome back. For those of you who listened to part one of this podcast mini-series, if you will, talking all about some fundamental components of our health. And in episode one, Sue and I expressed how when it comes to making sustainable change, it's about taking a comprehensive approach. And it's about more than just how much you eat or how many hours you spend in the gym on a given week. And so in episode one, we broke down a list of some things that people spend um, too much time focusing on that really aren't going to help us move the needle or drive sustainable results, but that do get a lot of attention online nowadays. And then we also spent the majority of the time talking through some fundamental components of our health. Um, so we gave examples of what those are, but today we'd like to walk through um, really the concept of making change and then share some of our ideas and recommendations on how to start making change with each of one of these fundamentals, if that's something that you um, would like to do or think there's an opportunity to do based on listening to episode one. So Working on these fundamentals will inevitably require you to make some adjustments to your daily routines. Now, it's nothing drastic or extreme or unpleasant, um, but these are all small things that have a really big impact when done consistently. However, different results require different actions and practicing those different actions can be hard. Now, it's not that the actions themselves are necessarily difficult, but intentionally adding them as a priority and then ingraining them in your routines takes some effort and it takes some time. So one of the biggest tips that I can give is instead of trying to revolutionize your life with a drastic change or trying to make several changes all at once, focus on one small but meaningful thing at a time. Pick one of the fundamentals that we spoke about in episode one that you want to improve on, name your specific goal, and then break it down and think about exactly what needs to happen each month, each week, each day, even every hour for you to actually make that change happen. So I'll give an example. Say you picked the fundamental about increasing your daily movement or your NEAT. Using this approach, you would start off with a specific weekly goal. For example, I want to walk outside five times this week for 20 minutes each time. Then what you should do is think about your daily agenda or routine and pick a specific time or times that you can and want to go walk. Once you have a time decided, you can do something like set reminders or block your calendar or even tell someone else to help hold you accountable to those times that you're planning to walk. Then I'd recommend coming up with a plan for what you'll do on that walk and where you'll go. Then once you have all these little details figured out in your mind, actually practice it. Go on that walk for a week, maybe two, and see what feels good, but also what doesn't. Evaluate things like, did you enjoy the time of day that you went on the walk? Where you walked? What you were doing on that walk? Maybe your hunger levels on that walk or your energy on that walk. How your walk fit into the flow of your day. And if any of those things felt a little off, Just adjust something, make a little change that you think might make more sense, and then practice it again. I like to say, embrace the experiment. Give it the time it deserves to practice something and don't throw in the towel prematurely just because that first attempt didn't go perfectly. And again, none of this is hard. It just takes intentional effort. But what I like to tell my clients when it comes to this sort of thing, and this is not novel, I'm sure you've all heard this before, but it's really helpful to sit back and ask yourself, is this worth that temporary discomfort, aka the effort or the time that I put into this plan for my walk, (laughs) if it means I'm going to achieve my long-term goal, in this case being I want to be better and more consistent about my daily movement? And most of the time, the answer is yes. 
it is worth it. So just as a little summary, choose a goal, set a specific plan, practice it, give yourself some time to fine tune, and then be consistent. And with time, this new addition to your routine will just become second nature. And you won't really need to plan or think about doing it as consciously. It'll just become part of who you are and part of what you always do. And in my opinion, this is how you make sustainable change. I absolutely love everything that you talked on in that, Courtney. And with you saying time and time again, like this isn't necessarily extremely difficult tasks. What I like to say to clients is, and what I like to say to myself as well, is it's (laughs) not that easy, but it is that simple. So it isn't going to be the fact that, oh, it is never going to be hard. Changing your routine, changing your habits is going to be hard. And we're aware of that. We are people who have worked jobs and lived life and had a hard time with our routines and with habits in our routines. So if you remember, it's not that easy, but it is that simple. Because the way that you think about things and your mindset, like Courtney talked about, is extremely important. If you go into any of these goals thinking this is going to suck, I hate this, this is going to be so, so hard, or this is supposed to be easy, and then you're having a hard time because it is hard, that's going to be even harder to try and get that habit in place. So give yourself some grace and recognize, yes, it's very simple tasks, but it doesn't mean that they're easy tasks. So it is going to require that effort like Courtney talked about. And even if it does become a part of your daily routine, it doesn't mean every single time you do it, you're going to jump out of bed excited to do it. I am someone who loves to go on walks. I always have, like from when I was much younger, not even in the fitness world, I've always always loved going on walks. That doesn't mean that sometimes it's still hard for me to get up and go on that walk and pull myself away from work or go out when the weather isn't the way that I want it to or when I'm tired and it just feels like another thing on my list to do. But because I've made it a habit, because it's become part of my routine, I'm able to talk myself into it instead of talking myself out of it because I know what a reward it is. I know that, hey, I don't want to do this every single time, but I know every time after I do it, I feel better or the next day I feel better. And I'm all about stacking that feeling of feeling better because I know what it is like to feel worse and I'm not willing to go back to that. So I am willing to put in the effort to make things better and better. And I think there's some research to support the fact that that feeling of accomplishment and clinging to how great we feel when we do adhere to like a plan we've set for ourselves, that specific feeling is so reinforcing. So to your point exactly, Sue, when you've done something that you've planned out, you know, even if it didn't go perfectly or even if it was hard to get started, when you've done that, remember how good it feels and chase that feeling again. Yes, there's 100% research that backs it and backs the opposite of when you don't accomplish something that you said you're going to accomplish, how that lessens your self-trust because you've broken that promise. And then it also lessens your belief in yourself and your ability to achieve success. So do it just for the fact of you don't want to become unsuccessful. Um, So that's a really great motivator as well. Good point. So What we'll do now is talk back and forth about some of our ideas for an quote unquote easy, and maybe easy is not the right word, but a simple and immediately applicable first step for trying to make a change with each of these fundamentals. But again, along a similar vein, we want to pick one thing at a time because it is maybe simple, but like to Sue's point. It can be difficult and it takes a lot of work to ingrain it in a way that is routine and consistent for us. So we'll give you an idea for each fundamental that we spoke through on episode one, but then I recommend after this episode, thinking about one specific fundamental you want to start with and then just focusing on that for the short term. So uh, that being said, I'm going to pair the first two fundamentals that we spoke about, which were nutrient density and fiber intake, because my recommendation um, ties both of these together nicely. So if you're somebody who wants to increase the amount of nutrients, um, specifically like micronutrients um, and your fiber intake on a daily basis, 
I think a good goal is trying to add a serving of protein and a piece of produce to each of your meals. And when I say produce, I mean like a fruit or a vegetable. And then when it comes to the protein aspect, protein is something most people have to be more intentional about consuming. So if you are tracking your macronutrients, maybe aim for 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal. But that is um, my idea for those two fundamentals. Yeah. And before I get into these, I do want to make one other point here is not only do you only want to pick one because you truly want to implement it, but like Courtney said in the intro, you want to be aware of the fact that it might take some troubleshooting. You might have to change the way that you do it because I have tried multiple of the habits that I have and I've tried them at different parts of my routine. And there's times where I'm like, that habit's never going to stick. But then if I truly reflect and audit my day, I can find a place that it sticks a lot easier. So don't take it as far as, oh, I need a copy because Sue takes her walks in the mornings that I need to take my walks in the mornings. If that doesn't work for you, then don't do it in the mornings and figure out when it does work. So that is going to take time and grace. And that's a lot to juggle if you're trying to add in 17 different fundamentals at the same time and figure out how it fits. So I absolutely love Courtney's advice for the nutrient density and fiber intake. And we are going to have a YouTube video. If it's already live, I'll make sure that it is in the show notes. But how Alex and I get our fruits and veggies in every day because it can be overwhelming. So my recommendation here is picking one vegetable or one fruit that you either want to implement or you just are taking that first step of, I'm going to have this in my house and figuring out how you like to eat it. So like I talked about of a habit might not stick in your routine a certain way, for vegetables, I had a really hard time eating vegetables because I didn't like a lot of vegetables, but I hadn't done a lot of playing with how to cook and season them. And so it was very helpful for me to just pick a vegetable and try it in multiple different ways to figure out how it was going to be best in my routine. So for me, carrots. I never was a fan of carrots, and now I am a carrot lover, and it all was because of the air fryer. And so (laughs) air frying carrots was huge for me. So that can be one small step, and carrots have fiber, and they have a lot of nutrients, but that can be one small step of, hey, I'm going to try out carrots. I'm going to air fry them. And an easy way to add in vegetables is think about um, vegetables that overlap with one another. So sweet potatoes and carrots can have a very similar taste profile if you are air frying them both. The carrots, the longer that they're air fried, they get that sweeter flavor. And it's great to have those together. So it's not like, oh, I'm just having carrot fries and I can't have sweet potatoes. Hey, I can have both and get in a little bit extra nutrients and some extra fiber in there. Love that. Great tip, Sue. I recently have been roasting my carrots and much more fond of them that way. Yeah. So I feel you on that one. Okay. Fundamental, technically number three, our water intake. So what I would recommend is if you're really not sure how much water you're getting in on a daily basis, start by paying attention and for a few days, track how much water you're drinking on average. Figure out how many ounces per day you're generally consuming. And then set a goal that is near or at 80 to 100 ounces. Now I say that sort of apprehensively because it depends on where your starting point is. If you're someone who's only drinking 20 to 30 ounces of water per day, I would probably start with a goal more like 50 or 60 ounces per day. You want it to be, you know, large enough that it's a significant increase, um, but not too unrealistic for right now because you want to be able to gain traction. Um, and what I will also say is no matter what that new goal is, I highly, highly recommend that you kick your day off with drinking 20 to 30 ounces of water when you wake up before you have your coffee or your first meal of the day, because this is so pivotal for hydrating after sleep and then really propelling your digestion and your energy. And of course your hydration for the rest of the day. Yeah, my water tip is get a freaking water bottle. I swear when I don't have my water bottle, my water intake is garbage. And I found that out about myself. So having a water bottle that I like, and the reason that I personally like this one, you can like a different one. It's okay if we're all different. Um, I have a hydro flask. I like that it is insulated. So I don't have the sweat on the outside of the bottle. That is a huge pet peeve of mine. And I hate when it like leaks onto my stuff. It also has like a silver 
silicone boot. So even though it is a metal bottle, um, I'm not slamming it down because it has the boot. And then it also has a little place that I can hook my finger in while I'm walking and it has a straw. So I absolutely love this. It makes it easy to get my water intake in. And I'll give an extra tip here. It is self-care to fill up your freaking water bottle. So even last night, I knew that getting on my walk this morning and I had a crazy day today that it was going to be so much more helpful if I just had my water bottle filled up. So I always try to fill up my water bottle at night so it's ready to go in the morning or always making sure I fill up my water bottle before I leave the house. And that is my little self-care for myself, but it's also a great way to make sure that you're getting your water intake in. I've also learned through my own experience and through a handful of my clients, believe it or not, that the mouthpiece of your water bottle like, is a big deal. It can really influence your ability to basically enjoy drinking your water. So play around with different water bottle types, like Sue said, but also the mouthpiece. Know that it can be a game changer. Are you wanting to hire the last coach you will ever need? Well, look no further. Physique Development is here to help you. We have a huge emphasis on knowledge and communication and making sure you know how to get yourself in the best position so you never have to hire another coach again. If this sounds great to you, then go ahead and fill out the inquiry link in the show notes or the description box, and we would love to get on a call with you. Now, the next fundamental is your digestive health. Um, we could spend an entire podcast on digestive health. <laughs> we very much so um, In fact, <laughs> Sue has already done this um, as a guest on a different podcast, so we can link to that episode um, and make that accessible to you, you all. Um, but with your digestive health, I think it's so important to start by actively paying attention to how you feel after your meals. Do you feel symptoms like gassiness, being bloated, any type of discomfort. Um, I also think it's great to pay attention to your bowel movement health. So we want one to three easy to pass bowel movements per day. And if this is not the norm for you, it's possible there are improvements to be made. And like I said, we could spend so much time deep diving into all the different things that influence your digestion. But where I'll focus on for right now is our environment. And so what I mean by that is when it comes to your digestion, you could eat the exact same meal in six different scenarios and have an, a different experience and reaction each time because our environment plays such a huge role in how we digest. So think about when you're eating most of your meals, are you multitasking? Are you a little stressed or is your heart rate elevated? Are you chugging water right before or during your meal? Are you eating kind of quickly? Are you standing while you eat? What does your environment look like? Is it messy or is it clean and calm? So what I'd recommend if um, you've answered yes to any of those, um, try to create space where you can sit and enjoy a meal in a calm relatively clean environment, ideally where you're not multitasking, where you can eat slowly and chew thoroughly and just enjoy the meal because this will play a tremendous role in how well your body can actually um, you know, digest and absorb and assimilate the nutrients from your food. Yeah, and Courtney made multiple points within that one point of not only the environment, but how slowly you're chewing your food, as well as kind of where your heart rate is at. So especially if you're having digestive issues right after you train, being able to wait till your heart rate comes down to within a few beats of resting heart rate, that is going to put you or you're going to be more likely in that rest and digest state and truly be able to digest your food. Um, but my, my tip, if you're like, this is miserable for me and I'm having a really hard time going to the bathroom and I feel really bad in the morning is waking up a 15 minutes earlier or 30 minutes earlier to give yourself some time. Our bodies run off of a routine and especially your digestive system. And if you are go, 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 go all the time, your body is kind of in this place of like, I don't know if I have time to go to the bathroom because I might need to go to the next thing. And I've seen this time and time again with clients and even a client currently right now, we had 
fixed a lot of her digestion. And then she went into a crazy time with work and her digestion was miserable again. And I was like, all right, we're going to rest. We're going to take time away from training. And I need you to take 15 or 20 minutes for yourself in the morning. And within a week, everything was back on track. So giving yourself some time in the morning, um, it just to be able to calm down and give yourself that space could be all of the difference for your digestive health. And I also think that like having better digestion itself makes all of the difference in how well oh, you yeah. feel. Like, mm-hmm. oh my word. Not even think. <laughs> I know for a fact. I I <laughs> yeah. know for multiple facts. That is true in science <laughs> and, <laughs> and in my personal life. It 100% like can affect how you feel about yourself, how you feel in general, how your brain is working, how you're even like if you're feeling like you're very foggy all the time, that can be because of your digestive health. So really being able to focus on that is going to improve the quality of your life hugely. Boom. End of podcast. I'm kidding. (laughs) Basically all you need to know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So another fundamental, which I touched on earlier, our daily movement or our non-exercise activity thermogenesis, our NEAT. So I gave that example of, I want to walk outside five times a day, et cetera. But where you should start is just thinking, hey, in my life right now on a daily basis, how much am I actually moving my body separate from maybe lifting weights or my exercise class? And if you're not actually walking much or moving around, I would take your phone or a watch or something similar and just start tracking your steps for like five or seven days to understand on average how many steps you're taking each day and get a foundation for what that normal day looks like for you. And then if you are someone who's walking less than maybe 5,000 steps per day, perhaps you start by setting a goal like 5,000 steps per day or 6,000 steps per day. Yeah. And another thing within this, and I talked about how I take my walks in the morning, is I had to figure out when it fit in my schedule. And for me, it really does work best to be in the morning because I found that I was making too many excuses in the middle of the day for getting up and going out for a walk. And also the sun has been insane. And so the walks in the middle of the day were miserable. So I decided to sidestep that and take it in the morning. And it was great that I had my doggos to go with me because now they They are basically my accountability because they get really upset with me if we do not go. But a great way to implement this, like Courtney said, is steps or just thinking about a few activities like parking further away um, when you park in a parking lot or being able to take the long way somewhere or when you're at your desk at work, this is going to be great for you guys. Every two or three hours, just get up and take a lap take a quick lap around the office or go outside and take a lap around the building, that is going to be huge, not only for your ability to focus, also for your productivity. I know it might sound counterproductive to step away from work, but I can promise you that it's going to be helpful to take that step away from work, be able to get away from screens, get outside. It's going to be extremely beneficial for you. So as you can notice, a lot of these trends are, hey, track where you're at right now and make that small improvement. And that is going to be a big piece of advice we continue to give because when we're looking at implementation, we want you to be able to personally see, I don't have to have these metrics that I hear everyone talk about. So since we're talking about daily movement, 10K steps. You might think, oh, if I'm going to be able to increase my daily movement, I have to get to 10K steps. If you're personally taking 2K steps right now, any increase in physical activity is going to have significant health benefits, and it is going to greatly decrease any kind of health risk. So if you're getting 2,000 steps, which I will admit I have definitely done before because I have a very sedentary job, then just focus Same. on yeah, <laughs> just focus on going for that 3,000, that 4,000, and don't put these huge numbers out there, exactly what we talked about in the beginning. You're not trying to make this life-altering, I'm changing absolutely everything. You're trying to take a small step forward. The way that you can continue to get better is not by being 100% better each day, because 
You literally cannot be 100% better each day. You cannot double your day every single day, but you can be 1% better each day. And that is going to culminate time and time again to in a year, you'll be 365% better instead of aiming for 100% better each day. And then you only get that one or one day maybe, and then you're net below that 365 if you've just focused on being 1% better each day. Yep. Now, the next one actually pairs beautifully with the walking um, or the daily movement, I should say, but it is so beneficial to get outside and spend a little time in the sun or daylight on a regular basis. Um, So I recommend if you are trying to increase your daily movement, whether that's parking further at a store or getting outside for a little walk or taking a lap around your office building, I recommend making some of that walk time, time outside. And I promise you, like I promise you will enjoy this. I have never, ever had a client who disliked um, the goal of getting outside or going for a short walk. And every single client that I've implemented this for has expressed how much they enjoy this goal and this practice. And like Sue said, it does not have to be anything drastic, but if you can spend 10 minutes outside in daylight every single day. This is going to, I mean, we touched on this in episode one, but it influences your mood and your productivity and it can help with your digestion and it helps align you to your circadian rhythms, which improves your ability to fall asleep and stay asleep. Like the benefits are endless. Plus it's vitamin D, which improves your immune system strength. And, you know, during the summer months can give you a nice tan depending on where you live. So Time in the sun, I'm a big fan. Yeah, and for me, this is as simple as if I can't go on a walk, just stepping outside, literally right outside my door, and just breathing for a few minutes. Because there are times that I have calls back to back to back, and I maybe have five minutes in between a call, and I know that I've just been sitting inside all day, and it's so beneficial. I'll just go outside, I'll sit there for a few minutes, and I'm good to go. Another great thing is you can go and read outside and be able to have that time. So if we look at this list of fundamentals, we look at NEAT, we look at parasympathetic activity, recovery from training, time in the sun, all of those could be knocked out with one task. So when you look at these fundamentals and say, oh my gosh, there's so many, how do I implement those? Um, I think about the the endless office quotes that are stuck in my head of, (laughs) okay, walk around 15 minutes of every hour, make sure you stretch 15 minutes of every hour. And then Michael Scott's like, that's a whole hour. When do you get any work? done. It's like do them all at once. So being able to do things like your daily movement, parasympathetic activity, recovery from training, time in the sun, all at once by just taking a walk outside or doing some stretching outside um, or reading a book outside or whatever it may be, bada bing, bada boom, you've knocked out a whole chunk of these and really, really improved your health and your quality of life and the functions within your body. When we talk about fundamentals, I know when we talk about foundations as well, you want a sturdy foundation, you want these fundamentals in place. But I can tell you, successful people... are able to have success because they never let go of the basics. And these are the basics. These are the core. And I understand that they aren't sexy, that they aren't fun, that the fad diets seem to make more sense. But there's a reason that we're spending two episodes on this. There's a reason that we talk about this at length outside of these two episodes is because this is what makes change. This is what makes sustainable change. And this is how you can take that one step and be one percent better to do these things. So when we go ahead and move on forward for parasympathetic activity, like I said, that can be just going outside and taking a walk and not making it about getting your heart rate super high, just making it a leisurely walk and enjoying your time. Alex and I do this almost every evening, and it's fun for us to be able to catch up and talk to each other as well. So we're knocking out even more things. We're multitasking our health, which is great. Uh, But (laughs) being able to look at other things for parasympathetic activity. Again, it could link him with daily movement of doing some yoga or maybe some meditation or being able to 
do some breath work. There's a multitude of things that you can do. So if you're trying to implement this, instead of just making, oh, I'm going to start doing some breath work, that's not going to elicit change. You need to make a plan like Courtney said. And there's a reason that people hammer in SMART goals. That has to be specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely, because those are the core of what is going to move that needle forward. So if you are wanting to start implementing breath work, a great way to get habits in place is to habit clump. So if you are already going to be um, I was going to say brushing your teeth, but it would be a little bit difficult to do breath work while you're brushing your teeth. Um, <laughs> but let's say that you are already going to be doing um, uh, your walk, and then you go ahead and do some breath work on that walk. Um, so say the walk is already part of your routine, then you can add in that breath walk work with a habit that is already part of your routine. So it's easier to get clumped next to it. So I use this for a lot of clients that are trying to do stomach vacuums. I tell them to do it like directly after they brush their teeth or directly after a habit that is so habitual for them every single day, because it's going to be that helpful trigger to be like, this is what I do next. And I'm going to clump these together and I'm always going to remember to do the first one. So I'm going to likely remember to do that second one. So really setting out when is this going to happen. So I even started to fall off of consistent posting within social media. And even though I had plenty to post on social, I wasn't making a plan. I just kind of had it sitting and I was like, oh, I have plenty to post. So like, of course, I'll make a post today. And then the day would fly by and I'm like, oh, didn't post again today. And just something as simple as the night before looking through deciding what I was going to post, writing the caption, set me up for success for that to happen. Even today, today is a crazy day for me. And I went last night, Alex was like, what are you doing on your phone? It's time to relax. And I was like, I'm about to relax. But I know making this list and spending these 10 minutes is going to help me so much for my day tomorrow. And I was able to write out what I needed to do, the things I didn't want to forget, the order it needed to happen in. And I was able to execute and put myself in a positive position. So as we're giving you these helpful things to do, don't just think, oh, those sound easy. Again, they are simple, but they're not always easy to implement. So these are simple things, but you do need to plan. You do need to put that effort in and really hammer down on which one you need to focus on first. There are so many good nuggets in what you just shared, Sue. <laughs> and a beautiful segue into the next fundamental I want to speak to, and that is time management. So like Sue just alluded to a little bit, what I would actually recommend if you are somebody who is sometimes feeling um, like discouraged by what you've been able to accomplish any given day repeatedly, or you are frustrated because those big things that you really wanted to take care of somehow fell through the cracks. What I would recommend is, first of all, timing yourself to learn how long regular tasks actually take you. Things that you do frequently, understanding how much time realistically goes into them from the very beginning to the very end, including whatever prep is involved. That's really useful information. And then once you have that information, I highly, highly recommend planning your daily to-do list or creating a little agenda for yourself in advance. And when you do this, I like to think first about what I absolutely must accomplish. Then after that tier, my second tier is those things I really want to accomplish, but they're not you know, absolutely critical. And then with those two tiers, I plan out when I want to do those things, given my energy and my preferences and my daily routine. And then I'm realistic with how long they'll actually take me. Once I've kind of slotted those in for my day, then I can fill in the gaps with some of those other things, that third tier of those tasks or to-dos that I would like to get done, but quote unquote, worst case, they can absolutely be pushed to the next day. And I will say, don't knock it until you try it. I know you might hear about this and be like, yeah, well, you know, that's for like a different level of person. Like I don't <laughs> need to be doing that. Trust me, 
it can be such an enlightening exercise. It's something that every single coach and staff of physique development has spent ample time doing. And all of us have learned and found opportunity of like, hey, this is when we could actually lump these two tasks. Or hey, this is taking me way longer than it should. And it's because I actually am getting distracted and like, reverting to my phone and picking it up, or I'm like kind of hungry when I'm doing this task. So I get distracted easily. I should just eat a meal and then I can actually focus and stay, you know, focused on the task at hand and get it done in half the time. So I highly recommend this practice. If you're somebody who's trying to just be more efficient and maximize your days. And maybe not even be more efficient, but just be on time for things or hit deadlines. Because <laughs> um, I'll admit, I have at first am finding out so much about myself as I have recently within this year been diagnosed with ADHD. And one of those things is that I'm time blind. So I used to habitually be late to absolutely everything. And I thought I was just that person. I made it part of my personality of like, oh, I'm just like late. That's just me as a person, but it's really that I am time blind. And so I need to do practices like legitimately carrying around a stopwatch with me and timing how long it takes me to do things. Because for example, my hair, last time I did my hair, I timed myself. It took me 40 minutes. This time I did it in 35 minutes. That's great info to know. Not only am I becoming more efficient at it, but now I can start changing around my schedule a little bit to allow for different things in my schedule so I can accomplish more, keep those promises to myself, feel good about myself, all that jazz, because it was something as simple as timing myself that allowed me to feel more productive and actually get done what I needed to in a day instead of getting to the end of each day and being like, up, oh, didn't finish my mile-long to-do list that literally was impossible to do, especially with poor time management, um, but also not even knowing how long those tasks take. So I'm able to have a better schedule for my day, feel more confident going into my days, and not feeling like I'm just winging it every day, because that's a really hard feeling as well. So I'm with Courtney. Do not knock it till you try it. It'll be so extremely helpful for you. Um, so going on to stress management management here. Yeah. I think when it comes to stress management, um, one of the biggest things we can actually do, and it might sound silly at first, but is sitting down and trying to truly identify what specific thing or things is causing you stress. And you might even want to like write it down and get it out of your brain because it could just be something that's building or looming. And once you get it on paper, even just that small step might help you feel a little bit less stressed or overpowered by that thing. I would recommend talking to somebody you trust about that thing causing you stress and then decide if it's something where you just need to take like one action or one step to resolve the stress. So for example, maybe you just need to like make a decision about this thing and it's been looming and you've been thinking about it haphazardly for like a week, but it's kind of quietly causing you stress. But once you just like need to write it down, make a pro and cons list, and then make a decision, perhaps that would actually relieve so much weight. Or maybe it's like a conversation you've been putting off because it's going to be uncomfortable, but you need to have this conversation and then you'll feel a big weight and some stress lifted. Um, that's kind of one category of stress. Another is potentially um, a stress where you have to work through it. So maybe this is like a work-related task or something that requires a little more time. And I find it helpful to create a little plan and that once the plan is created, if you have your steps written down or you have a plan of attack, you know that when you execute within that matter of time or you know along that plan when you are executing, by the time you get to that last step, the stress will be gone. That's kind of like a second category of stress. And then a third is potentially this is something like really emotionally taxing, um, or it's something, you know, that you are healing from or coping with. And in that situation, perhaps you need additional support from loved ones or even professional support to cope with something that's really impacting your mental health. Like maybe there's something you're grieving or some sort of loss. So I think it's so helpful as a first step to try and identify right now what's causing you stress and then what plan of attack or what steps do you want to take to start recovering from or managing, actually managing that type of stress. 
Yeah. I don't have anything to add just that. I'm really proud of Courtney because so many of the things she's saying, I'm like, <laughs> I have said these things to her or I, I've been in the room while people said them and she's just absorbed them all and she's coaching on them. And it's just a, a proud, proud coach moment, proud uh, boss moment. So go Courtney. <laughs> Thanks, Sue. <laughs> all right. Another fundamental sleep quality and quantity. One of Sue's favorite things, mm -hmm. one of my favorite things. So the simple question that I would ask is, are you sleeping seven or more hours each night? If not, why not? <laughs> I want to know genuinely what is causing you from getting seven or so hours of quality sleep on a daily or nightly, I suppose, basis. And one of the first things you can do is look at your environment and also your wind down routine or how you're spending those two to three hours before you actually go to bed. So those are two things that sometimes people overlook, but they can be enormously impactful in obviously how long you're sleeping, but also your quality of sleep. So I like to talk to clients about their environment in their bedroom. You know, is it a nice dark room? Is it quiet or sound controlled? If that's the right phrase, <laughs> um, is it nice and cool? It's it's proven that we sleep a little bit better when we're in a cooler environment. Um, and then paired with that is how you're spending those couple hours before sleep. So uh, we don't want to be overstimulated when we're trying to go to bed mentally or physically. So some things I've spoken with clients about and helped them rework is like how late at night they're exercising compared to when they go to bed. Sometimes people are still too overstimulated from training because they will train, come home, and then maybe an hour later, they're trying to crawl under the sheets. And in most cases, that is not enough time for your body to come down from the stimulus of training. Sometimes people are eating too close to when they go to bed. Um, and in that case, the body hasn't fully digested the meal. And so if you try and sleep, you are inhibiting your body's um, ability to efficiently digest and absorb those nutrients. And um, that could cause some ramifications. So those are two things I'd focus on. But Sue, if you want to chime in, please do, because I know you're passionate about this too. Well, I would just add when I'm talking about like one thing that you can small change is pay attention, as we've said a few different times. But for example, um, in 2020, Alex and I were working until 10 p.m. at night. And then not only were we doing procrastination bedtime revenge because we didn't have any time to ourselves during the day that we were staying up even later, but we were waking up at 5 a.m., obviously not enough sleep whatsoever. So then we started to put in a bedtime. Again, this is called trial and error, folks, and you will all have <laughs> to do it. We put in a cutoff time of work at 8 p.m. And we're like, okay, we're going to cut off work at 8 p.m. and hopefully be asleep by 10 p.m. And that was, again, due to paying attention of, all right, what time do we want to wake up? And we had conversations with ourselves, like, personally and then with each other of what time is best for us to wake up. And for Alex and I, it's best to wake up early in the morning. We even talked about today of moving our wake up time even earlier to 4 a.m., but we're normally a 5, 5.30 a.m. type of type of people. So what time do we have to get to bed? All right, if we work backwards from then, what time do we have to cut off work? So we moved our cutoff time of work to seven, and we're strongly considering moving it to six because that allows us to have our last meal together, be able to take that walk that I talked about, be able to spend some time together, wind down, then go to sleep, have good quality sleep. So really think about what time you want to get up, and then work backwards on that of what time you need to go to sleep. And let's say that you need to be asleep by 10, but right now you're going to sleep at 11. I wouldn't suggest just jumping to 10 and being like, I'm going to be asleep at 10. Just move it back 15 minutes the first week, then another 15 minutes, another 15 minutes. Then in a few weeks, you'll be at 10 and it'll feel pretty easy to you because you just made these small changes to get to where you need to go. So I recommend working backwards from what you need for waking up. And if you don't know your ideal wake up time, then I would recommend spending the next few weeks playing around with it. And the reason I say weeks instead of week is, again, the first day or the first few days, you're not going to have it nailed down. You're not going to have it figured out. You're not going to have the perfect routine. And I even just now really nailed down my morning routine, especially as I transitioned out of my competition prep of, all right, what 
tasks need to go in these slots and how am I going to best show up for myself and schedule my day because of this. So focus on working backwards because that's how you are going to take those steps instead of feeling like, again, I just need to wake up at this certain time. Really look at your life and let's say you have to be at work at nine. All right, what do you need to do before you go to work? Do you need to get dressed? Do you need to shower? Do you need to do your hair? Do you need to do your makeup? Um, Are your clothes already laid out? Do you need to meal prep anything? Are you exercising before work? Do you need kids that you need to get ready? Is there a commute? Take all of those things into consideration and start working back. And that's where that time management comes in. If you know, hey, it takes me 30 minutes to do my hair, then you need to put that into the equation instead of thinking like, ah, hair and makeup, I can do that all in 30 minutes. When it might have taken 30 minutes for each, you're now running 30 minutes behind, you're flustered, then you're even more stressed. And then maybe that pushes something else that was really important in your day that could have been sidestepped if you just took a second to reflect on your schedule. Yeah. Such good points. Okay. Just a few more fundamentals here, but I am already so proud of the knowledge we're spewing here. This is a jam-packed episode, but I think it's so valuable. So I appreciate this conversation so much, Sue. Um, (laughs) Menstrual health is something that obviously applies to all our ladies out there. Now, when it comes to our menstrual health, I am pro-information, so I just want everyone out there to be aware of the importance of our menstrual health and our cycles, um, and also, you know, along a similar vein, hormonal birth control, because that is a topic of conversation and directly influences our menstrual health. So what I will say is if you are on hormonal birth control, I think it's important to learn how hormonal birth control works in our body and to acknowledge that it can be extremely helpful for many women, but it's not the solution for everyone. And so either way, I think it's important to learn um, about that route. And then I also recommend it's tracking your period and your symptoms um, using an app. And there are a few out there that I have heard are fantastic. The one that I personally use and recommend right now is called MyFlow, M-Y-F-L-O. And I think it's just a few dollars each year. So right now it's at a very affordable price point. Um, But our menstrual cycle is a cycle. And so throughout the entire month, there are some ebbs and flows in our hormones and there's something going on. And there are four stages to our menstrual cycle. There's the menstruation phase, which is when we actually have our period, but then there's also the follicular stage, ovulation, and the luteal stage. And different things might be happening at each stage. And so if we use an app to track when we're on our period, but also the symptoms we're feeling, um, this is so helpful because we can... uh, eventually identify trends and patterns about how our body typically responds on a monthly basis. And once you have a few months of data tracked and collected and you can evaluate um, with a lot of these apps, they'll help you identify those patterns and understand more about your body when you typically feel this symptom. Um, In a lot of cases, there are actually little tweaks that you can make to your lifestyle or things you can add to your daily diet or even supplements that you can incorporate to help support your body as your hormones ebb and flow and, you know, potential slight hormonal imbalances that you may have. Um, So I've heard it said from some of my clients, and I think this is true, by tracking your symptoms in your cycle, you almost feel a little bit more um, in control and like you have a little bit more power over or you're more aligned with yourself and your cycle versus just being victim to it, which I think a lot of people do feel um, nowadays. Yeah, I mirror that um, or just second that. Um, and it's I, I often use that same reflection when it comes to training of the more that you learn about training in the training phases, you're not going to go into a session that's not supposed to be a strength-based session and lift a weight and be like, I'm so weak. I don't know what's going on. When if you really took time and learned about the types of training, you would go in and you would have your expectations set. And when we look at expectations, that can vastly change how we feel about something. So 
So if I'm going into a day and I'm expecting that nothing's going to be different, even though if I looked at the data, I should expect that I might be a little bit moody today. I might be cramping today. I might be having some more bowel movements today, whatever it may be. I can set my expectations and also schedule my day the way that I need it to and go in a lot more clear. So I'm actually in my right before my cycle starts. And this is when my digestion might be a little bit off. This is also when I am just going to see the scale weight go up a little bit. And that's really helpful to know. So I'm not stepping on the scale being like, what's going on? Why is the scale weight up? I know for a fact I step on it. Oh, that's my cycle. Good deal. I'm able to step off, be indifferent about the number, and recognize what those facts are telling me. Um, so it's extremely helpful just to have that information. But going into intentional weightlifting and resistance training, first you can get the Physique Development Training Club app, which is just $35 <laughs> a month. That can be your first step. If you don't feel like you're ready for a coach, um, just to be able to follow a structured program, and we have home and gym options. But Otherwise, again, looking at what that first step is, maybe it is just doing some movements at home and you have some dumbbells, but maybe it is going to the gym and following a program. And so those first steps are also going to come within planning of when can I fit in resistance training in my day and when is it going to make the most sense. Mm -hmm. And with that, I'll just piggyback and say, um, on my coach spotlight episode, which is one of the first episodes on our PD podcast, I talked extensively about the benefits of weightlifting. And I know, you know, that's a topic that we've discussed in several other episodes as well, but they extend far beyond just trying to build a quote unquote toned physique. Um, weightlifting and resistance training is so beneficial for your overall health and longevity, no matter who you are or your age. So, um, like Sue said, maybe it is just starting to do some resistance training movements with weights at home. Maybe it is subscribing to our, you know, training club app. Another thing that I'd recommend doing if you're really not sure where to start is you could just go to our physique development YouTube channel and start watching some of the countless and high quality, <laughs> might I add, uh, tutorial videos, uh, featuring Sue, Alex, Austin, and they're walking through so many important movements, not only explaining what muscle we're targeting in that movement, but um, common mistakes to avoid, how the movement should feel, how the movement should not feel. All of these things are such valuable nuggets of information to have, and it takes practice to really master them for yourself. So if you have a goal of improving your core strength or building your lats, um, go look at some of our ab and lat exercise tutorials, and then just start practicing some of these movements in your gym. And over time, you can keep expanding your little repertoire of um, movements and of knowledge. But um, tied to that is our final fundamental, having performance-related goals. And so the question I like to pose here is, when is the last time that you've set a goal that had nothing to do with the way that you look or your clothes fitting or the scale? And with that, is there something you aspire to achieve uh, in the gym or with your body and your strength? So for example, maybe you have never done more than two pull-ups in your life and you want to try and get to five. That is a super fun performance-related goal that you can absolutely implement and work towards accomplishing. Maybe it's different. Maybe you want to be able to do something that's more aerobically demanding or cardiovascular demanding. And that's something like some sort of, you know, timed mile or half mile or be able to do 10 sprints, um, that can absolutely be set as a performance related goal and worked to achieve, um, some sort of power or agility performance related goal is another thing. Um, I can speak for myself and my husband right now. We've been dabbling in learning more about like calisthenic workouts. And for those who don't know, those are basically just like workouts with your body weight. Um, and when I, the really advanced calisthenic athletes are the people who can hold a telephone pole and like extend their body <laughs> completely perpendicular to the telephone pole, like that type of strength um, is next level for sure. But it's been really fun and kind of 
invigorating for us to set some of those goals and to try like training in a fashion to support that type of strength because it's different than just like the muscle we're trying to build for aesthetic purposes or you know how our clothes fit or how we look in the mirror it's purely strength based and it's this super empowering and unique type of um progress and like self-belief and um, growth that we've been able to experience. So setting goals that are performance related is such a cool way to shift the focus away from just like being so consumed about how your body looks. And this can supplement, you know, aesthetic physique goals, but sometimes it's really useful for our mental health to shift away completely from like how we look or how the number reads on the scale and just focus on something like strength, agility, you know, heart health, et cetera. Hey guys, if you're listening to this and learning a lot, I absolutely love to hear it, but maybe you feel like you can't apply it perfectly. No worries. We got an app for that. Go ahead and check the show notes or the description box, and there will be a link to go and check out the Physique Development Training Club. This is an app that is going to give you exactly what you need to progress within training with three, four, and five-day splits, as well as home and gym options, complete with a timer in there, videos to the training and everything else you need to be successful. So can't wait to hear how much you love it. So um, as that was our final fundamental that we brought up in episode one, um, I think the last thing I want to speak to is what's so important about making change. And we've alluded to this a little bit, but it's our mindset. And with intention and practice, we can improve how we view and think about things. And our mindset is directly tied to our physical health and what we're capable of achieving. So the first thing I want to say on this topic is it is so important to actually believe in yourself. You know, like self-belief is paramount. And so many people out there when they turn inward, may not actually believe that they can make the change they want to change. But you should believe in yourself. It is absolutely possible to achieve whatever it is that you have in mind, and you should not short yourself before you even start. You have to believe in yourself and then consistently put in the work and remind yourself of your value and your worth and your ability to do hard things, <laughs> to steal Sue's phrase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and With that, don't throw in the towel when something doesn't happen as quickly as you want it to. Because like we've said, these things take time and practice and trial and error. And the beautiful thing is also to realize that a lot of these fundamentals are additive, meaning each one adds something extremely valuable to your life. For example, more nutrients, improved energy, better sleep, healthier menstrual cycles, or more awareness and being in tune with your body, tools to manage your stress better, time to play or rest or recover. And all of those things are going to make you feel better. Separate from your physique or aesthetic goals, it's going to make you feel better and add quality energy to your life and zest to your life from this point forward. It's also important to accept the fact that making this long-term change requires a few critical things, dedication first and foremost, and with that, it's helpful to understand your deep-seated reason for wanting to improve your health or your physique, and then to actually set goals that are aligned with what you want and what you need. And to Sue's earlier point, when we were talking about steps, there's like a lot of external influence out there about 10K steps. And quite frankly, that's an arbitrary number. So you need to focus on if if you think daily movement is a goal that you want to improve on, what goal should you set that is aligned with what you want and what you need? If you're someone who's only walking 2,000 steps per day right now, a 4,000 steps per day goal is outstanding. And if you're able to make that progression, phenomenal job. That's just as great as somebody who's walking 9,000 steps, but wants to walk 10. So again, that comes down to not comparing yourself with other people, but really focusing on what you need and making goals that aren't influenced necessarily by external um, people or things. The other thing you need to remember is that making this long-term change requires patience because this is a process. And all of this takes more time than we'd like it to, which of course is countercultural because we love quick fixes and rapid results. 
But realistically, if you're trying to make these changes because they are changes to like your lifestyle and not just like quick fixes or little things you can do on occasion because they're things you have to do consistently, um, redefining some, some things in your life will take six, 12, 18 plus months of consistent effort to, you know, get to a place where you're checking all these different boxes where, you know, six, 12, 18 months ago, none of those boxes were checked. Um, and what's super cool is as you progress, your uh, goals will likely evolve. Um, and that's what I love is you'll continue to realize what you're capable of. And then your expectations for yourself and belief in yourself will continue to climb. So your goals may continue to evolve. Um, and what's extremely nice is in most cases, there isn't a deadline. Like realistically, there's just you and your life and you have your whole life to continually improve. So embrace that. And instead of putting pressure on yourself to try and, you know, get extremely drastic results in a short period of time, embrace the fact that it takes some time. And that if you do things in a way that you're serving your internal health, it's going to be a way more enjoyable process through and through. And then the last couple of things that this type of change requires is consistency. Like we've said, you don't need to be perfect, but you need to show up and try and do the thing again and again. And then persistence, which basically is learning how to adapt and still prioritize some of these core tasks, even when um, life gets a little messy or other roadblocks or challenges come in the way. And so if there is something that comes about and something doesn't go according to plan, we can ask ourselves, you know, what happened and how did I respond? And maybe what is something I can do slightly differently to set myself self up for a little bit more success that next time? How can I be 1% better next time? And what I will say to conclude, I suppose, is that in my opinion, nothing is a failure if you learn from it. So if things don't go according to plan or you give something a try and you feel like it was kind of a flop, you've undeniably learned something that doesn't work. So that's where you can try to adjust. And then that's where you can try to re-implement and see if that, you know, revised approach feels better. That way you can carry it forward. Yeah. You're never going to be perfect the first time. The first time you even wrote a letter out, you probably didn't write a perfect A, but you didn't give up and say, that wasn't perfect. It's not worth doing. You had to keep trying at it to make sure that you understood it and were able to lock it down. So it's the same thing with basically everything in your life. And exactly what Courtney said, it's not a mistake if you learn from it. You can do fall down seven times, get back up eight, but also being able to take Thomas Edison, creator of the freaking light bulb, when someone asked him what it was like to fail 10,000 times, he said, I didn't fail. I found 10,000 ways how to not make a light bulb. So being able to take that and think, hey, for the advancement of all of this wonderful lighting we have, so we don't have to do everything by oil and candlelight, it took someone, quote, failing 10,000 times, but it was someone who didn't view it as a failure. And so being able to take that forward and say, hey, if I can just not view this as a failure and I can take all of my L's and turn them into lessons, what can I take from this? And me personally, I've hit a lot of L's this year, a lot of things I did not think was going to happen, a lot of things that weren't in my plans. And each time I had to swallow it down and decide what was the lesson, whether you believe everything happens for a reason or we give reason to it as human beings, whatever it may be, I had to, for my own mental health, decide, am I going to learn from this or am I just going to let this beat me down? And I decided I'd much rather learn, swallow my pride and figure something out and get one step closer because the time is going to pass anyways. If you think, oh, it's going to take a lot of time and effort to get it done, you know what? three years is still going to pass. And so you get to decide in three years if you did something with that time or if the time just passed anyways and it's three years later and you're telling yourself the same things that you want to make a priority in your life. I love that too. That self-auditing and continuous reflection, I think, is just absolutely key 
to pushing yourself into continued growth. And of course, as a shameless plug, there is a lot that we shared when it comes to these fundamentals of your health. And at PD, if you're looking for someone to help you identify and narrow down and then consistently progress through making adjustments to these fundamentals to kind of elevate your health and your physique, um, we would love to work with you. So uh, that's one of the benefits of one-on-one coaching. It's highly personalized and we are with you every single step of the way. So of course you can inquire for coaching with me or someone on our team um, on our Instagram page and we will link to that inquiry in the show notes as well. Yeah. And once you inquire, you'll be able to get on a free call and be able to figure out what's the best fit for you and just be able to talk about the service, talk about what you're wanting to accomplish and being able to realize that we've made the mistakes already so you don't have to. So if these fundamentals feel overwhelming, that's okay. Like we said, it's not easy. It's simple, but not easy. And so if you need someone to help you with these, don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. And we are more than willing to provide that. We want to work with clients that are done making excuses, that truly want to optimize their health and feel better on a day-to-day basis. And if we look at, um, okay, what does it take to get to success? You can always look at the opposite side of it. So uh, Courtney has mentioned before and she has it written down in the notes, doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that you're not going to feel better if you don't get movement, you have poor sleep, unmanaged stress, inadequate recovery, the list goes on. If you think about what are all of the opposite, then just flip that around and think, I need to do those other things. So let us help you do those things and truly make this change that's going to stick in your life. And like Courtney said, this is personalized. So we really take into account what your daily schedule is, what roadblocks you're facing. You still have to put forward effort if you do have a coach, but we do make it a little bit easier because we guide you along (laughs) the way. We can answer those questions for you. We put a plan in place that we know is going to work for you. So definitely go ahead and inquire via the link in the show notes. And then of course, you can get on that free call and chat with someone on our team and really figure out if PD is the best fit for you. And if we want to be the last coach that you'll ever need. Um, So that is going to take some time, some patience, some consistency, everything that Courtney mentioned, but we're in for it if you are. Uh, And we are just so glad that we were able to do this podcast mini series and be able to bring you some information on these fundamentals that you can implement yourself. And that's a a huge thing that we want to provide within PD is free resources. So as Courtney mentioned, we do have our YouTube channel that not only has the exercise execution videos, but we also have a ton of videos of informative topics and questions that maybe you've even asked on our Instagram or on the forums that are linked in the show notes. And we answer those questions for you. We also have our TikTok account, which we post tons of information on. We have the Physique Development Podcast, which you're listening to right now. All (laughs) of the coaches' Instagram accounts, as well as the Physique Development Instagram account. Um, So there's a lot of free to be had. There's articles on our site. There's free downloads. And we want to give away so so, so, so much for free. But if you need help implementing it, we're here for you too. Thanks so much for listening to the Physique Development Podcast. We'll catch you in the next episode. Hey guys, Austin here. Thank you again for listening into the episode. It means a lot. If you can, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave the podcast a five-star review. This does help us grow and be found by others. Also, just wanted to mention, if you guys are interested in free education based around training and nutrition, be sure to check out physiquedevelopment.com backslash free education, where you will find free downloads, videos, articles, etc. No strings attached. Again, thank you. Chat soon.